Ryan. Yeah. Well, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody watching online too. Glad you're joining us this morning. Wherever they're watching from as well, right? Let us know in the comments because we've got lots of people online now all over the world watching. Uh, well, we're going to start with uh, um, a reading this morning. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 37. But before we read it, we're, I, I think uh, I might take a, a couple of weeks to cover this particular uh, account in the Bible. If, you, if you're familiar with it, it's Joseph and his many-colored coat. You know, you've probably heard it as a kid. Maybe you saw a play with something about, you know, Joseph and the colored coat and why is it important. Um, and this, this uh, account in the Bible, it's, it's quite a long one, so we're going to do our best. We'll probably break it up over a couple of weeks. But to understand the importance of it, there's so many nuggets in this story, so much revelation that we can take for our lives today. Um, but just to give you a little background of, of what's happening. So a man named Jacob... He has 12 sons, right? Can we just start with what? Somebody, maybe somebody in here, you have 12 kids. That's a lot. That's all I'm saying. Bless those parents. Um, so he has 12 sons, and Joseph is not even the oldest, and he's not the youngest. He's the second from the last son, okay? This whole next story is going to take place about Joseph. But who is Jacob, and why is he so important? So you've heard of the 12 tribes of Israel. Have you ever heard that? There were 12 tribes of Israel. Well, they came from Jacob. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. And his sons became each one of the tribes of Israel. So the nation of Israel is birthed in this moment. So that's why this is so important to God. If you remember who Jacob was, Jacob, who's the father of the 12, Jacob worked for his uncle Laban. He fell in love with his, the Laban's daughter. Her name was Rachel. He was like, whoa, she's beautiful. He said, okay, work for me for seven years and you can marry her. He worked the seven years. The uncle tricks him on the wedding night and slips in the not so attractive older sister, Leah. I know, right? The Bible is scandalous. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, who says the Bible is boring to read? It's like, what? What happened next? So... He slips it in the wedding night, this other woman, and he wakes up. Obviously, he's furious. He's like, hey, work another seven years, and then I'll give you Rachel. So, yes. So Leah gives him all these sons, but Rachel, the one he really loves, only gives him two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. So you see his proclivity to lean towards Joseph in this story. All right, so we'll pick up reading. This is Genesis chapter 37. We'll bounce around just a little bit. Genesis chapter 37, verse 3, okay? So when it says Israel, it's talking about Jacob, the father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors or a coat, we would say, of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear, hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Mm-hmm. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. 
There's a story there, folks, and that is be careful who you tell your dreams to. Be careful who you tell what God has told you to, because even though they are supposed to love you, they might secretly hate you. They might, this might breed jealousy in them, because that's not their dream, it's your dream. Okay? So what does it say? It says, so then Joseph, he dreamed still another dream. He dreams another dream. He goes on, and this dream is about the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything bowing down. And then the dad figures out, oh, that's us. So the dad's like, oh, so we're going to bow down as well? So the story continues, and his dad says, hey, I need you to go check on your brothers in the field. Go check on the flocks and everything else. And you see from a young age that Joseph was actually wise, that he wasn't being sent to his brothers to tittletale, but you see as the story goes on that he was actually a, quite a wise young man and more likely managing his brothers. And you can tell that by the favor that's on his life as it goes on. So he goes out to see his brothers, and we'll pick up the story there. So now we're on 37 verse 18. We're jumping to verse 18. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Nice brothers. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. Reuben said, don't shed his blood. Let's just throw him in this pit and leave him. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. So he's thrown into the pit. They're trying to decide what to do with him when Ishmaelites come past, travelers that are on their way to Egypt and they decide let's sell the brother to them. So they sell him into slavery. They take his coat, they dip it in animal blood and they go back to the dad and they're like, hey, we found this is this Joseph's coat. Of course, the dad is heartbroken. This is his favorite son. He cries. He goes into grief. And as far as they're concerned, that's the end of the story for their brother. But this is just when Joseph's story begins. He's 17 years old. He's now sold into slavery. He gets to Egypt. And Potiphar, who's in charge of the guard for Pharaoh. So the Pharaoh is like the king, right? So Pharaoh is in charge of Egypt. And Potiphar is his main guard. He buys David from the slavery to work in his house. And this is what it says. And so God shines favor onto David. And this is what it says in chapter uh, 39 and verse 2. We're going to read 39 and verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Just so you, in case you're wondering, the Egyptians did not believe in God. So what kind of favor is upon you that he would say that he saw that the Lord, capital L, was with him? That's when you know the world sees the favor that God has placed on your life. Even if they don't believe that there's a God, they begin to believe because they see the favor that's upon you. So what's happening is now he's in the Potiphar's house and he is... Getting, so he's running the household. Basically, he puts him in charge of his entire household. He's running everything. For years, this goes on. Until now, he's in his early 20s. Potiphar's wife one day walks in and is like, hi, who are you? you know? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, you're married. Stay away from me. And she keeps hitting on him. And he's like, stop. You're, this is wickedness before God. 
So even in that one line, we see that Joseph is still honoring God. He's here, he's, he's, in pres- he's, he's in this guy's house, he's basically in slavery, but he's still honoring God. She continues to persist. She, she tries to come on to him. He grabs his coat, he lets the coat go, and he runs outside. Well, she takes the coat and says to her husband, oh, he tried to rape me. And of course, the, the husband is furious, but he, the, he should have put him to death for that. But you can see that he sort of maybe believed Joseph because he only threw him into prison. So now life has gone from bad to worse. Now he's in prison. And he's in prison so long, but God shines his favor on him yet again. And he rises to the top to basically run the whole prison until the story of the two of the baker and the butler get thrown into prison. We're going to break this up over a couple of weeks. Don't worry. I'm just giving you the oversight so you understand what happened. While they're there, they have this dream. He interprets the dream. I'm not going to go into the whole interpretation. You can read it on your own time. Um, But years go by and then Pharaoh has a dream. And the butler says, hey, I know somebody who can interpret that. He's in your prison. His name is Joseph. So he gets Joseph out of the prison to interpret the dream. And Pharaoh's dream was God warning him that there's going to be seven years of plenty coming and then seven years of famine. And Joseph says to the Pharaoh, hey, you need somebody who's going to stock up for you during those seven years. Get all the grain you can. Stock up the storehouses because there's seven years of famine coming. And Pharaoh is so taken by his wisdom, he puts him second in charge of the nation. Right below Pharaoh is Joseph, in charge now of the entire nation, okay? He's in charge for seven years. He takes care of it. Then as it gets into the famine, now all the places around are coming to Egypt to try and get food because they go, oh, there's food in Egypt, including his brothers. So his brothers come down to Egypt in the famine. They don't know because Joseph now speaks fluent Egyptian, so he's dressed like an Egyptian, so they don't know when they get before him, they bow. Come on. And of course, it's like an amazing story. I'm not going to go into the rest, but he gives them food, and, um, and then eventually they bring them all down, and they live in the land of Goshen, and that is where the Israel, as you know it today, who we prayed for, began. And the 12 tribes, okay? So you see the importance. The reason that all this happened was because God needed to spare the Israelites. He needed to take care of his people. So he had to get Joseph into a position where he could save and spare not only the nation, but the nation that he was about to birth so that they didn't die off before they could be birthed. See the, you see the big vision, all right? And, uh, you know, when I, I was reading this uh, account, um, I thought about how we live in a world where we are just all about efficiency. And I am a sucker for it. I mean, I think it's my dad's fault that I grew up that way because my dad is the kind of person that you were like, dinner's ready in six minutes and 15 seconds, and you better be at the table. You can ask my husband, he's shaking his head. Yep, because the food had to be hot. You need to be there when it's served. When I was a kid and we would drive, we grew up in South Africa and we would drive from Valcom to Johannesburg to go see grandma. And my dad would be like, it's going to take us three hours and 18 minutes. We are getting there in three hours and 18 minutes. If you need a pee, pee in a cup. But we are not, you know, like it's all about efficiency. And I was thinking back to when I was the first time, uh, I was, must have been about in high school. And I went into my mom's office one day and she said, would you fax this for me? And I was like, do what? She's like, fax it. I go, what does that mean? 
And uh, she said, I'll show you. She walks me over to the like phone looking thing, fax machine. And she says, punch in the number. When it goes, a funny beeping sound, hit send. Put the paper here. I'm like, all right, sounds easy enough. So I punch in the number, you know, if you've ever faxed anything. Then it goes beep, you know, you hit the send. And the paper goes through and comes out the other side. And I just stood there and I was like, I took the paper. I went back in my mom's office. I was like, it didn't work. She's like, what do you mean it didn't work? I was like, it didn't work. She's like, did you hit the send button? I go, yes. She's like, how do you know it didn't work? I said, it came out the other side. <laughs> I'm blonde to the roots. <laughs> you know, and, and then you got Amazon, who I'm a little bit of a fan. And, um, you know, when Amazon, when... 48-hour Prime used to be like, that was it. I mean, to get Prime, 48 hours, you signed up for it because things would arrive in 48 hours. Now they've got drones and stuff arrives in 20 minutes, you know? And somehow we're like, oh, 20 minutes? Like, I got to wait that long? But, you know, all of that transfers into our personal lives. Because probably even growing up, you were like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get married to the right spouse. I'm going to have uh, two beautiful kids. I'm going to have the white picket fence. You know, everything is on this I, w I want the house, I want the perfect job, I want to manage my own business, and I want it yesterday. We have this sense of urgency that everything has got to be super efficient, and we tend to do the same thing when God gives us a vision or a dream. That if it doesn't arrive in 48 hours via Prime, we're wondering what happened to it. And when we find ourselves in a pit or a prison, now we think that we must have missed it. We've made a mistake. We forever, there's no chance of us getting to the palace now. God must have forgotten about me. And so when you look at Joseph's life, you know, Joseph's own brothers threw him into this pit. And your, a pit is like a sunken place. A, a, a pit is a sunken place where it's like a sunken place maybe of despair. Maybe you find yourself in a pit that you didn't put yourself in. Maybe you went through a divorce and now you're dealing with depression and you didn't even want the divorce. Or somebody, you know, you had a financial deal with somebody, but they backed out and they hurt you financially. And so now you're in a financial hole that you didn't want to be in. But nonetheless, that's where you are. You have a deal go wrong. Your business goes upside down. A loved one unexpectedly dies and you're dealing with grief. Or you keep getting hit with bad news after bad news and loss after loss and you start to think, what am I doing? How did I end up in this pit? And I think most dreams die in the pit. See, Joseph had a dream of being chosen and his brothers bowing down to him. You know, he was 17 years old when he had the dream. It would take him 13 years before he becomes the ruler in Egypt. And then another nine years before his brothers would bow down before him. All in all, from the time he got the dream God gave him, it would be 22 years before he would see that dream fulfilled. But what happens to us is because of the pain of the pit or the betrayal of the prison, we lose sight of the palace. The Bible says it this way. It says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
what it's saying is you can't always see destiny in the face of disappointment. But I'm here to tell you that a pit can't stop God's promise. Dream another dream. That is the title of my message today. Dream another dream. And that's what Joseph did. He dreamt another dream. Let's look at Ephesians 2 verse 10 this morning. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before the foundation of the earth, before you came onto this planet, God had already purposed and designed plans for you to walk in that were good, that were pleasing, that were amazing. So you're, if God already had these plans, then he's already put it in your heart, the plans. How do you know? Because the desires of your heart weren't put there by you. If they're godly desires, they were put there by God, your creator. How do you know? Well, if you're still trying to figure out what your God dream is or your God plan, usually you can tell by things like what drives you? What do you want to fix in the world if you could? What do you want to uh, create if you could? What do you want to inspire if you could? Those are usually, if they're again God aligned, those are God dreams that God has placed in you. And the difference between a normal dream and a God dream is a God dream will allow you to live outside or above the circumstances of the world. Meaning it doesn't matter what the economy is. It doesn't matter what the gas prices are. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your position at work. If it's a God dream, it will cause you to live above the circumstances because you have his kingdom in mind. So how do you know if it's a God dream? Well, if you can fulfill the dream without God, it's not of God. It might be good, but it's not God. God dreams will have an eternal and a generational impact. Your dream will live long after you've gone. The impact will continue to touch people's lives long after you're gone. That's how you know it's a God dream. Now, for some of you, you already know what your God dream is and you're running towards it and you're fighting for it. And that's awesome. But for some people, I find that you need to dream another dream. Or if you've never really thought about what is my God dream, you need to get alone with the Lord and find that out. I'm going to give you a practical way to help you with that today when I talk about dreaming another dream. It starts with your imagination. God made you as spirit, soul, and body. You're three parts, <clears throat> just like the Trinity, three parts, spirit, soul, and body. But we tend to ignore certain parts when we come to the Lord. But God is a spirit, and if you approach him, you have to approach him in spirit. But I'm going to explain to you how to use your imagination, how God wants to talk to you and show you the plans he has for you. Let's look at Ephesians 3 verse 20. It says, now to him, it's talking about God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we what? Ask or think. We like to leave that one out. 
You're just like, oh, he's just above whatever I can ask. No, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can think according to the power that works in us. See, your dreams will never exceed your imagination. Do you know that you can't do something in the physical that you've never dreamed or imagined? That's why if you talk to professional athletes, the night before, they will be laying in their bed. They will see the race in their mind. They will go over every part of the race in their mind, even them winning the finish line. Because if you can't see yourself doing it, you will never do it. It's the way God made us. And the same thing is true. You'll never do something or anything for God that you have not imagined first. So if you want to pray for somebody and see them healed, then start sitting quietly, using your imagination and picture the scene. See yourself praying for a person and their legs growing out or their ear popping open. Use your imagination to see that. If you want to be a speaker, you need to see yourself. What does it look like to be on the platform with a microphone talking? If you want to be a manager at work, what would that look like? Use your imagination to put yourself in that scene because you're never going to do something that you haven't imagined first. And the same is true with the Lord. Most people are like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, I want a God dream, but what, what have you imagined with the Lord? What has he shown you? What are you working towards? Or are you just looking at the day that's in front of you? <clears throat> the, the biggest problem we have when we try and sit with the Lord and do an, uh, something like this, a practical session of, of wanting to see, Lord, what dreams do you have for me? I find the biggest issue is that life is filled with struggles and distractions, right? And when you try and get alone with the Lord, all these thoughts and everything that you're dealing with just come, starts bombarding your brain, right? I'm going to take you through a little practical lesson here. I want you all to sit up straight and not really like sit up straight. I didn't mean it like you're, I didn't mean it like you're slouching. It's, I just want you to be comfortable is what I'm saying. And I want you all to close your eyes. If you're new here, I promise this is not weird. <laughs> They're like, what is she doing? Just close your eyes. I want you to take a deep breath. Let it go. Now I want you to picture that you're standing at the base of a mountain whatever the mountain looks like in front of you. All through scripture, you see people that when they meet with the Lord, they go to a high place. It's just really symbolic of leaving behind the humanity and going up to where the Lord is, okay? So you see a mountain. On your shoulders are bags. Each one of these bags represents a struggle, a care of life that you're carrying. It could be dealing with your family, the kids. It could be the financial struggle. It could be your, your boss at work. It could be a sickness. Whatever it is, these are bags. I want you to see them on your shoulders. And now I want you to start ascending the mountain. And with every step you take, I want you to drop one of the bags. And I want you to physically feel the weight leave your body as you begin to ascend. And as you begin to ascend, you're going to ascend faster and faster up the mountain as you've let go of these weights. And now you're at the top of the mountain. And I want you to use your imagination to picture the mountain however you want it to look. Beautiful, 
green, luscious. It doesn't have to hold to the, 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 the natural mountains. It can be, it's your imagination. So make it luscious green with big trees and gorgeous. And there's an ocean that you can see from the mountaintop. And there's a swing, a wooden swing hanging from the trees that you walk over to sit. And as you walk over, here comes Jesus. And it's just peaceful. There's nothing else but you and him. And you're just so excited to see him. And he's so excited to see you. He embraces you. Hi, he says. So good to see you. And your heart inside is speaking to him. I love you, Jesus. And he's like, let's sit on the swing. And as you sit on the swing, I want you with your heart to begin to talk to him. And here's what you would say. Jesus, I know that you've predestined me for things. I know you've got plans for me that you laid out before the foundation of the world. Jesus, I want to know what they are. I want you to show me. The Bible says to watch and pray. So you're not going to hear, but you're going to see. And so as you sit with the Lord, pictures will begin to come into your mind. Maybe not every picture is what the Lord is showing you. You'll have to push some out the way. But just allow the, the flow of the images to come. He might start back when you were a child, show you your life growing up and show you the plans and the path he's got for you. He might show you something about work and answer, whatever it might be, as you just sit with him. And him speak to you. This is how you can know the mind of God for your life. Open your eyes. So what you do in that place, and you can do that all the time. It's called, the Bible says to watch and pray. <laughs> you know, most of us are like, what are we supposed to be doing? You know? But what that, in those moments when you get quiet with the Lord, your imagination now You'll start to see images, pictures will come up that God will be showing you, things that he'll show you. It'll go much deeper, much faster, much more creative than you could ever possibly imagine what he would show you. And maybe the first time you do it, you're like, I didn't really see anything. Like anything in life, practice makes perfect. Do you remember the first time when you were learning to drive a car? And you were like, you know, your body is like thinking about every single thing. You're like, okay, where's the gas? I've got to, got to indicate. i got to, where is it? where's my foot? Because your conscious mind is in charge. But how many of us now that we've been driving for many years drive home and be like, oh, how did I even get here? Right? Am I alone in this? Okay. And you don't even know how you got there. Why? Because your subconscious mind is so trained, your muscles are so trained, they did it unconsciously. And you could have driven home and actually like, oh, swerved out of the way for something because your body was reacting because it's so trained. So no different than the first time you do something, it's going to be like, well, I didn't know if I really got anything out of that for the first time. Because it's training yourself to sit with the Lord and focus on Him. And leaving behind the cares of the world, don't bring them up, that's not the point. He knows what you have need of, but he needs to show you what you're dreaming. The biggest issue I find with people is that we dream too small. We dream too small because we think how much it's got to do with me. How much time can I put into it? 
How much money do I have to invest? We look at ourselves and wonder, I don't know if I could do this, right? But if you're partnering with God, if God is your partner, He is your plan, then you're walking hand in hand with Him. And those desires in your heart, He already put them there. God wants you to dream big because God doesn't dream small. Because if you do something small, He won't get the glory. You have to do something that when it happens, you're like, whoa. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't me. <laughs> Seriously, it literally wasn't me. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm here. I'm part of it. But God, God, God did this, right? God wants to get the glory. A friend of mine the other day, I was <clears throat> talking to her, and she said she has this amazing project that she's working on. It's going to help so many people. And she said to me, I might have to shut it down because my heart is bigger than my wallet. And I said to her, that's how you know it's a God dream. That's how you know it's of God. And listen, with God's vision comes the provision. With God's vision comes the provision that you're going to need. It's God's plan all along. He's the one who's given it to you. So this is on you. Like literally, I don't know why you carry that burden. He didn't ask you to. He will do it. When God gives you a dream, his favor comes with it. What you see when Joseph is in Potiphar's house and in the prison, what you see is God's favor. That's his favor that's upon him. And see, Joseph's dad loved him so much and favored him so much, he gave him a beautiful coat. The coat was a symbol of the love and the favor. But they stripped him of it. The mistake his brothers made was thinking that if they stripped him of the coat, they stripped him of his favor. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, if somebody wants your coat, if somebody wants your opportunity, if somebody wants your position at work, whatever somebody wants, say, have it. Take it. Because guess what? You can take whatever you want from me because you can't take my favor. You can take whatever you want, but you can't take God's favor on my life. You can knock me down, Satan. You can count me out. You can try whatever you want, but I'm going to see you in the palace. Because I got the favor of God on me. Because guess what? It's not what's on you. It's what's in you. And that's what we call the favor of God. That's the favor of God. I'm here to tell you, all you lost was a symbol. All you lost was a symbol. All the enemy took from you was a symbol of God's favor. He couldn't touch you. He's trying to keep you thinking that he's won, that he's got you in the corner, that you stuck in despair. But I'm here to tell you that Satan can never steal God's favor from your life. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. He has purposed you for his plan. Not your plan, his plan. And you might be telling me, well, Cindy, you don't understand. I put myself in this pit. It was my foolish decisions that put me in this pit. I stayed in that relationship that I was never supposed to be in. I did this to myself. I gambled the money on that stock and lost. I did this to us. Am I not disqualified from my God dream? 
If that were the case, we would all be disqualified. God knew us. He knew how frail and how weak we were. And he's like, I'm going to need to do something. So I'm going to send myself to die in their place. So that when they need grace and when they need mercy, they already have it. Because I have a plan for them, but along the way, they're going to trip. They're going to fall. They're going to get knocked into a pit. They're going to get held up in a prison. But in that moment, they're going to be able to turn to me and say, Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy and for giving me another chance that I can get up and get back on the plan that you've got for me. It's called His grace and His mercy. And none of us deserve it. None of us. But he did it anyway. See, you weren't picked because you're perfect. You're picked because you have a purpose. And your purpose is the palace. Dream another dream. Dream another dream. The dreams God's got for you, yes, there will be a pit. Yes, there'll be a prison on the way to the palace. Are you willing to say, God, I can see how you're using that pit. I can see how you've put, pulled me through that, that prison. I can see the favor that you had on me, even though it seemed like I was in prison. Your hand was still upon me. God, I'm sorry for being so rushing the game, rushing the plan. God, I want to walk with you because I want to get to the palace with you. Dream another dream. Dream another dream with God. Go ahead and stand with me this morning. As I was speaking there, I felt, <clears throat> I felt in my spirit that, that some people might have even been saying, how do I say this? that there's an element of blame. We'll have the lights down and some music for me, please. There's an element of blame that you've actually placed on the Lord because you didn't understand the pit and you didn't understand the prison. His dream for you is not done. You're not where He's planned you to be yet. But you're allowing what's happened in the pit. You're allowing the despair to stop you from seeing beyond it. What was done to you, where you are, you're like, how God? Why God? And sometimes there's just no good answer in the moment. But I'm telling you one day, you will stand in the palace so to speak and you will look back and you will see how God used those moments on that journey to get you where he needed you but in my heart I feel like there's some people here that need to can I say forgive God but more importantly repent Repentance is all throughout our life. Repentance is to change the way you think about something. In order to advance 
in the dream that God's got for you, you need to change the way you've been thinking about God. That's what it means to repent. Because that will hold you back. The way you think about God will hold you back when you get to that mountaintop and you try to dream with Jesus. It'll hold you back. The way you've always seen things done will hold you back. You have to lay it down. Well, that's the way it happened with my mom. That's the way my grandpa did it. That's the way it's always been done in my family. See, you have to change that thinking the wrong thinking and choose God's way. I want to pray for you. So I, I don't usually do this, but I just feel prompted of the Lord. If that's you, and this is not a time to be embarrassed. Every person in here loves you and is for you. And we've all been at this altar before. But if that's you and you're like, man, I've just had some wrong thoughts towards the Lord about certain things. But I really want all he's got for me. And I want to show him that I mean business with him. I want you to just come down front to the altar here. Just stand here for a moment with me. I'm going to pray a prayer of you. I believe it's just the Lord prompting you. This is not a, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, then this is a good time to do that too. But this is for anybody. This is like, God, I haven't seen correctly. And maybe there was an ounce of blame in my heart towards you, God, because I didn't understand the pit. I didn't understand how a prison could be part of my journey. I didn't understand how you could use the death of my child to still end up in a God dream. God never did that. God doesn't bring sickness. He doesn't bring death, but he will use everything that the enemy meant to hurt you with for you to still get to the palace with him. Doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your circumstance, it doesn't matter. God wants you to dream another dream. And it means letting go, letting go of that wrong thinking about him. Letting go of that thinking of those thoughts that that you couldn't see him in the picture anymore. The thing is, even when you look at Job's life, if you read the book of Job, oh, he went through a lot. But Job said, basically, don't take your presence from me. God, it doesn't matter what I go through, but just don't take your presence from me. And God's presence is his favor. And so it doesn't matter what you go through. His favor is with you. His presence is with you. Father, I thank you for each and every person down front. Can I have some catches, please? I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, for healing your heart for restoring, Father, restoration to her. Restore what the enemy stole. That even as she humbles herself, Father, and looks at you as the loving daddy, God, as she turns her heart back to you, Lord, that you will fulfill the dreams that you have for her, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for restoration. Thank you for a renewed way of seeing you. Unhindered way of seeing you. Seeing your fullness, seeing your glory, seeing your goodness, seeing that all that you have for her, God. Thank you, Father, that she'll dream another dream, Lord. Lord, I thank you that she dreams another dream even at this time, Father, in her life. Lord, that you'd give her impact that will impact the generations below her, Father. Thank you, Father, for your love and your goodness in her life, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for a fresh beginning. A fresh beginning, Lord. Even as she humbles herself before you today, God. Wipe away the old way of seeing you. Take away the religion that has bound her and kept her, Father. Lord, that today she'll see you for the loving Father that you are, the dreams that you have for her, God, even the ones that she's buried so deep in her heart that she forgot about, that she threw away the key, that today, Lord, that you unlock that. You unlock that and said, no, that was from me. That was from me. That was from me. And he has such beautiful plans for you. And he needs you. He needs you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for restoration, Lord. For a newness, God. I thank you, Lord, for her humility, Father. Her want to always see you, Father, for all you are. Lord, I thank you that you would use what the devil meant for harm, that you are still turning it for your good. Give her the eagle's eye, Father, to be able to see the long distance, Father, the plan that you are working out, God, that she's on the road to the palace, Father. Thank you for restoration, Lord. Restoration. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God. Oh, Father, for the dreams that he has placed in your heart. Many, the Lord says, many. Run with him. Run with him. I see you let go of his hand as it gets so busy. There's, there's so much to do. The Lord says, single focus, single focus of his dream that he's got for you. Singularly, be singularly focused for him. Don't let the cares of the world distract you from what he's got for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hold on. Lord says, hold on. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. I thank you for the great dreams, Lord, in our heart that you are walk, walking out with her, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your goodness in her life and her, your favor that's upon her every single day, Lord. Even when she doesn't see it herself, Father, but the world recognizes her Lord because of the favor that's upon her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for your dreams. Thank you for her repentant heart, Lord, to always want to know you more. Thank you for revealing it to her, Father. And that you can make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a difference, the Lord says. 
Stop counting yourself down and out, the Lord says. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the depths that you love her, God. Oh, the depths that you love her, Father. Oh, the Lord loves to sit with you quietly. I see him just sitting with you quietly. In the times where you think that you're alone, it's just being quiet with him. Because you're never alone. He's with you. He's with you. And his dreams are not done for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for restoration. I thank you, Father, for a new dream, Lord. The God dream that you've placed in our heart, God. That you would blow your wind on them, God. Those little embers, Father, that you would blow the spirit of God on them, that they would catch fire, that they would be renewed, that nothing would put them out. Nothing would quench the dreams you've placed in them, Father. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for, the, for her heart, God. I thank you, Lord, that you've given her a heart like yours, a heart to see people whole and healed. Lord, I ask that you would grow the dream, Lord, that she would take the limits off that she's put on, that even today, God, that you would expand her vision, that as she watches and prays, that she would see and dream with you the endless possibilities and the impact that she will have. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for giving us a new dream today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord, for a humble heart, for keeping her eyes on you, never letting go, no matter the pit, no matter the prison. The long haul, God says, the long haul, the long haul. But he's in it with you. He's in it with you. And one day you'll stand and see and you'll look back from the palace and you will see God's hand in every moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, I lift up every single person that's watching online. If you're watching online right now, just open your hands to receive from God. doesn't matter where you are. There's no, there's no distance with the Lord. He's right there with you right now. Father, I pray a special blessing on them, even as they've humbled their hearts and opened their, their heart to you this morning, God. To everybody under the sound of my voice, even here, God, that they would begin to dream with you in a fresh new way, Lord. That the possibilities that you would help them rise above their circumstance and their situation because they've got their eyes on a kingdom vision. They've got their eyes on the end. They've got their eyes on the palace that you've set for them, Father. That the kingdom vision that's inside of them would burn, Lord. That even as they sleep at night, that they would dream solutions. That they would dream inventions, God. That they would dream how to, how to uh, get to where they need to get to, Father. That the limits would be taken off them. That they would learn to rise above their circumstances, letting the cares of the world stay behind as they spend time with you, Father.
I thank you for this generation in front of me, Father, that is marked by your favor. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Say favor. Favor. You got the favor of God on you and in you. Amen. Amen. Come on. I'll have my ministry come down front. If you need prayer for anything else, if you want to talk to somebody, they're down front. So if you need prayer for anything, please come down, speak to them. But I hope you have a blessed Sunday. I hope you're encouraged. And you know, one thing I, I forgot to mention, we'll have the lights back up, guys. Thanks. One thing I forgot to mention is whenever you do those visions with the Lord, whenever you come out of it immediately write down what the Lord showed you immediately don't wait thinking you'll remember it you can voice record it but I immediately begin to write no matter how outlandish no matter how seemingly what was I even dream what was that even about write it down I'm telling you when you look back you will see the Lord's hand on it and you'll begin to have a relationship with the Lord where he is showing you your future all right have a blessed day everybody love you guys